number 45, uh, in verse number 1. The book of Genesis, chapter number 45, verse number 1. And Joseph could not refrain himself, all that stood by him. He cried, caused every man to go out for me, and he stood with no man, while Joseph made himself known to his brother. He wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brother, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet lived? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to come and gather at your house even again tonight. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us throughout the day. Lord, help us tonight as we look into your word. God, that we could fight and battle the spirit of discouragement. God, in the spirit of excuses. God, that, that we could be encouraged in your word. God, that we could be sustained by your word and by your spirit. Lord, ultimately, that we could do all things through you. God, and we can do all things for you. We ask you above all to have mercy on those who may be lost. Forgive us if we fail you. Help us through this service. In Jesus' name we ask it all. Amen. Amen. It's really, really easy to get discouraged. Really easy. I mean, really easy. And we say really easy, but you, you may not quite understand exactly how easy it is to get discouraged. I'm discouraged by cold weather because this was, had ice in it this morning. It's got ice in it again this evening. That wouldn't happen in July. It's easy to get discouraged in the work of God whenever the work of God is not in the forefront of our life. And it's easy to get discouraged because as Christians, or as, as people, not as Christians, as people, we find things wrong with almost everything. Don't we? We do. We find things, something wrong with everything. Everything. We can find something wrong. I mean, it can be beautiful. It can be gorgeous. It can be, I mean, near perfect. And then you're going to get somebody walk in this church and say, I don't like it. They have a blown light bulb. You're going to get people like that. And they're going to look at you and say the same thing. They're going to say, look at that old gentleman wearing a sweater vest. Who wears a sweater vest? And they may not be talking about Brother Randy specifically. People are going to find something, something somewhere to fuss about all the time. And if we're not careful, we do the same thing in our life. Well, well God allowed this to happen to me. Oh, poor, pitiful man. Why is God not blessing here? Why is God not blessed me to, you know, be rich and famous and successful? Why is God allowing these things to come up in my family? Why is God allowing these things to come up in our church? Why is God allowing me to go through this and allowing me to go through that? Or we may even think in our mind, why is God doing this to me? Y'all ever thought that? We don't say, why is God allowing? We say, why is God doing this to me? And we, we look at our lives from the perspective of, of throwing an absolute pity party. And then we take it out on God. We find a reason to complain, and then we take it out on Him. I love McDonald's food. 
It is delicious. Okay? I don't know what they do to it, whatever kind of chemicals they put into it, because it ain't real food. But whatever kind of chemicals they put into it, they make it absolutely delicious. And they can mess up my order 14 times. I'm still going back. I am. I am. I'm going back. I can ask for no mustard on my quarter pounder, and they're going to put mustard on it. And guess what? I hadn't been to McDonald's in years because it's kind of bad for you. But in college, I would go back every week because that was the cheapest place that I could get food. And we would go back even after they messed up, and we would go back, and we would go back, and we would go back. And we find things in this, in this life that we don't like, things that we don't particularly agree with or things that don't just fit us perfectly. And some things we let go. And other things we don't. And that's what I want to look at tonight. We'll let things go whenever we value what they do for us greater than the inconvenience or the problems that it causes us. So whenever McDonald's puts mustard in, and I absolutely hate mustard. I absolutely hate the taste of mustard. The only mustard that I like was old homemade mustard that my great-grandmother made, and I love that mustard. All other mustard is just awful. It burns. But whenever I value that, that, that quarter pounder more, I love it more than I hate mustard, that means I'm going to go back. Does that make sense? When I like the burger more than I hate mustard or that I hate that they messed it up, then I'm going to go back. But whenever it gets to a point that they mess it up so bad, so whenever I find a roach or a fingernail in my burger, that's when I'm not going back because they have messed up to the point that it is worse for them to mess up than, than what I enjoy eating. Does that make sense? Everybody understand what I'm doing? Okay. At what point does, does the work of God become more important than how we feel about ourselves. Oh, poor pitiful me. At what point does the work of God become more important in our life than what we, and, and I hate to use this word, I absolutely hate to use this word, but this is the way that we think about it. This is the way that I think about it sometimes. At what point is the work of God more important than the inconvenience it causes us? That's a scary statement, ain't it? What kind of inconvenience does the work of God cause you? What kind of inconvenience does it cause you? You may say, oh, no, no, it's not inconvenient at all. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Anything that causes us to, uh, to have to put forth a little extra effort can be inconvenient. If we let it. Coming to church can be inconvenient if we let it. You know why? Because some of us have to get way more than just me ready. It's easy for me to get ready and look this good on Sunday mornings. It's easy. There ain't nothing to it. I can show you how to do it one day if you want to know. It's hard to get them babies ready and to get my wife ready and to get everybody else ready and, and to get everybody fed. And I, I don't know what we would do if we started church at 9 o'clock. We, we'd be on the struggle bus. But it's only inconvenient if we, if we don't value it the way that we should. And the things that God allows us to go through is, and I heard somebody say it one time, and I loved it because it even rhymes. Everything that God puts in our life is either a lesson or a blessing. And if you don't see it as, as both, then, then we need to reevaluate our relationship with God. Because whenever He makes us, and I say makes us, because the Bible says that we shall suffer for Him. 
Whenever He allows us to go through things that, that we see as, as poor, pitiful me. Whenever He allows us to go through things, Joseph was, was sold by his family. I guarantee you that was not in his plans or where he wanted to be. Whenever he, he sat down in fifth grade and wrote out his 10-year plan. That was not where he wanted to be. Whenever he said, well, well here's what I'm going to do in the next few years, being sold into slavery was not on that list. It was not. It happened. And you know what Joseph did? Joseph moved on. Because Queen Elsa said it so very well. At some point, we have to let it go. At some point, we have to let it go. Because whenever things that we face begin to, to worry us and begin to harp on us and begin to cost us so very much anxiety, then it becomes more important than God in our life. And we become to take it out on God and, and we begin to, to neglect the things of, of His work. We begin to neglect reading and studying. It's easy to get discouraged whenever we hold on to everything and we take everything personally. And that's easy to do. I mean, it, it is some kind of easy. Because whenever you picked out the, the bathroom napkin holder that's sitting on the sink in there and somebody comes in there and says, I think we need to get something different. This is going to look right. You know what you're going to do? You're going to take it personal because you put some thought into it and you thought it looked pretty and you thought it looked good and they are not meaning to, that to be an attack on you. And if you were at school or if you were at work or if you were somewhere other than church, that would be okay. But something about the work of God, we choose to, to hold on to things and we choose to be offended rather than, they didn't mean it that way. Let it go. I love the napkin holders, by the way. I think they're wonderful. And I love the sweater vest. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm trying to prove a point. I'm not going to wear one for at least another 30 years. But I'm just trying to get a point across. So many times we are offended by things that happen and, and offended. I heard a man stand up and say one time, he said, I hate how my, my congregation, and I believe that every single preacher in the world can say this. He said, I hate how my congregation shrinks by 50% from Sunday morning to Sunday night. He said, I just want to go home with them people and see where they end up on Sunday evening because they're not ending up back in church. And he said, it's so easy to be uh, offended by those things because as a preacher, and, and he said this, he said, I take it personally when people ain't at church. Can't do that. You can't. Because every church that I have ever seen, every pastor that I've ever talked to, everything that you ever read, you're not going to have the same people in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night. It's not going to happen. You're not going to have the same people in church on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. It's, it's, it's not happening. It's, it's just not. And if we take people's absence as a personal strike against us or a personal strike against this church or... or If we can't let it go, if somebody said something that we don't agree with and we can't let it go, then we hold on to it and we hold that, that feeling and we hold I'll use an example. Whenever two pairs are growing side by side, and I use pears because I've actually seen it in person with a pear tree one time. Whenever two pears are growing side by side and one develops a fungus, guess what? They both develop a fungus because they're so close together. And so whenever you grab a hold to that rotten pear and we won't let it go and we can't get past it, 
and we're holding on to it so tight, you know what? We begin to rot. It begins to infect us. It begins to hurt us. And whenever we can't let things go, whenever we can't get past things, then we're letting other spirits come in and take over us. And I use that term very carefully because I, I do believe that there are spirits in this world other than, you know, the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at a little bit of that in just a few minutes. Joseph was sold into slavery. Joseph was lied on and cheated. Joseph was probably mistreated in other ways down the line. The Bible hits the high notes. Joseph was thrown in jail. He was thrown in prison for a significant period of time. Not just overnight, not just a week or two. Joseph was in prison for years. He was promised that he would not be forgotten by one of the men that was there. And he was. He was forgotten. And then Joseph comes out and God blesses him to be in a position of power. In a position where he could do something about it. That same preacher that said that he took it as personal offense when people didn't come back to church on Sunday night. He said this, and this is the reason that I remember what he said that. He said, I wish I could get all my church members on Life 360. That's what he said. He said, I want to know where they're at. I want to know why they're not in church. And a little while later, I was sitting with my mama, and I bumped her. Because Life 360 had just come out of the time. And I bumped her. And, uh, and after service, I said, Mama, do you... Do you think the preacher needs to have everybody? Because I, I, was, I was in high school. Do you think the preacher needs to have everybody on Life 360? No, I was in college. She said, uh, she said, no, it would just hurt him worse. She's probably right. It's not our business. It's not personal. And we have way too much to worry about in trying to take care of our own self. We have more problems than... than we have more problems to fix in ourselves than we could ever fix in anyone else. Ever. We could spend the rest of our life working on some Brother Dean, I could spend the rest of my life working on you. And I could try fixing all of your many problems. And I still have more. I have more. Because no matter how much I can fix in you, I have, I have more wrong with me than that. Because whenever we begin to focus on other people and we begin to look at other people and we need to pick out what's wrong with other people, that, that, that's when Satan's working in us. Satan is working in us whenever we begin to find everything wrong and we begin to take everything personally and we cannot let it go. And if Bailey was here, she would sing that song with me because I've just about got it memorized. And it's a terrible, awful, stick-in-your-head song, but, but, but the song says, let it go. Let it go. Let it all go. It's not worth allowing it to eat you up. It's not. This time last year, I could not have said that. Because I didn't let much go. I, ne I never have. I've, I've held on to a lot of things. I've held on to a lot of things that I took personally that <laughs> in the last year I've made amends and the person didn't even mean it that way. The person didn't even say it that way. And, and, and we can get things so, so misconstrued. Till it is absolutely crazy. And whenever we hold on to those things, we all understand that there is only so much space in between our ears, right? There's only so much. Most of us, with the exception of these two, maybe three, one in the back and then Brady sitting back there, with the exception of them, our head ain't going to grow no bigger. <coughs> nah. 
There's only so much room in our head. And if we're holding on to what this person said and what that person said, it's taking up valuable space in here that we can store other things like what color is mitochondria and times tables and things like that. Things that we could, you know, never use one day. Whenever we hold on to things, they begin to eat us up from the inside out. And that's where the, that's where the spirits come in. It takes a little bitty crack. I mean, just a, a little bit of a crack. And those of you who have a, a bedroom window facing to the east, y'all understand this. Y'all, uh, who has a bedroom window facing east? Anybody? Just me? Okay. In the mornings. Do you have blackout curtains in your bedroom? You don't? Oh, my. So I, have a black, I had a blackout curtain in my bedroom. My bedroom window faced east so that the sun rose in the east. And, and as soon as the sun would come up, especially on Sundays when I would try to sleep late, the sun would come up and it, it'd wake us up. And so we put a blackout curtain there. And then that sun would come up on a, on a Sunday morning and I'd roll over. And if that curtain had a little bit of a crack in it, it lit up the whole bedroom. Y'all have seen that before. If it has a, I mean, just a little bit because the curtains are, and I blame it on the fabric industry. They don't make curtains big enough to cover the whole window. They make it the same size of the window. So whenever it starts swirling like this, it don't cover the whole window. So there's always a crack right down the middle. And if the sunshine gets in that crack, the whole room can be dark. Your electricity can be off and it will light up that room till you can see just, just that little bit of a crack coming through them blackout curtains. And if we leave that little bit of a crack in our spiritual life, if we leave that little bit of a crack by, by taking things personally, by, by laying out on God, by saying, God, why are you allowing me to do this? By trying to pick out things wrong with other people so we don't have to focus on ourselves. That's the reason we do that. That's the reason we pick out things wrong with other people. That's the reason we do it. That's the reason I make fun of Brother Randy's sweater vest because I, I couldn't get mine on this morning. It wouldn't fit. So I pick out somebody else. And I look at them because as long as we're looking at somebody else, we're not looking at ourselves. And therein lies the problem. Turn, if you would, to, to Timothy. I forgot what chapter, but I'm in Timothy. Chapter 4, here we go. Timothy chapter 4. Verse number one. Now the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit from God, speaketh in our hearts expressly, very clearly, very knowingly, 100%. We know that the Spirit speaking to us. That in the latter times, the days in which we live now, 2024, oh my goodness, time is flying, that some shall depart from the faith. These are saved people leaving the faith. These are saved people backsliding. These are saved people that are giving up on God, giving up on church, finding something wrong so that they can leave. Y'all ever wonder why we have 22 churches within 20 miles of here? You know why? People can't get along. People find something to disagree about. And at that point is whoop, gone. I look nothing like my two brothers. Hunter, he's the, the middle one. We call him Bug. We don't call him Bug anymore because his wife hates that. But I still have him in my phone as Bug. He's this tall. He's full grown. He weighs 100 pounds if he's soaking wet and has his boots on. He has blonde hair. His hairline is receding to somewhere up in here. He's, he looks nothing like me. Nothing. I have more in common with him than I do my dad, who I favor. 
me and Hunter get along on just about everything. Ish. We did until he, you know, grew up. We liked the same foods. We had the same hobbies. We got along. But whenever we didn't get along, you know what? It didn't matter. You know why? Because we're brothers. Because we loved each other. I guarantee you never got along with your sister. Just You didn't. And, and y'all, in the, y'all probably didn't get along with your sisters and your brothers and everybody else. And if you're not an only child and you had a sibling, at some point in time you had a disagreement with your sibling. Guaranteed, you did it. Don't lie and say you didn't. You did. And if you didn't have a sibling, you had some point that you did not get along with your mom and daddy. But that did not split your family up to the point that y'all don't talk no more. That y'all don't speak to each other anymore. And, and, and that's what love is. The fact that you can disagree and still get along. And that's what for 200 years churches have been unable to do. Church people, not churches. And, and it seems like it's, it's not because of church people. Because church people are some of the most loving in the world. But it's because of, of those hairline cracks. We're not as close to God as we want to be. And it's, it's those hairline cracks. In verse number one of, of 1 Timothy chapter 4. It says, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And you may say, oh, well, I won't ever let a seducing spirit in my life. I won't ever do it. It ain't going to happen. Oh, you ain't got to worry about me. I'm took care of. I'm solid as a rock. That's the spirit of arrogance. It's easy. It's easy to give heed to seducing spirits. You know why? It's the same reason that you take that, that, that dog treat and you trick your dog into going into the pen with the dog treat. Because you're seducing him. You're taking something that, that he loves, something that he desires, and you're throwing it in the direction that you want him to go. And that is what the spirits will do in our life. They'll egg it on. They'll allow you to grab a hold to something, and it's, it's like the, the old-timers old used to catch raccoons in a piece of inch-and-a-quarter PVC pipe. Y'all ever heard of that? They take the inch-and-a-quarter PVC pipe, and, and they put it in a hole in the ground and, or a hole in a stump and underneath it they would take it and put a sardine of some sort and the raccoon would stick his hand down in there and he'd grab it and he'd pull and pull and pull and he never could get it out. You know why? He wouldn't let go of the sardine. If he would let go of the sardine he could pull his hand out just like he put it in but he never would let go. I've only ever caught one raccoon that way. I believe that they got smarter as you know they evolved. But that's the way people used to do it. They didn't have steel traps, and so they would put a piece of pipe outside. Steel pipe, PVC pipe, it didn't matter. Anything that you could secure. And and that coon would not let go of that food. Once he had it, he had it. Wouldn't turn it loose. And it got him killed. And whenever we grab a hold of things that we don't like, grab a hold of things that we take personally, and I hope and pray that y'all don't take things that I say personally because I don't mean to offend or hurt anybody. But I, I do believe that a lot of times that the Bible can convict us and we can take that personally and we take that out on God. Whenever there's things in our life that don't belong, whenever there's things in our life that, that we know ought not be there, whenever we are giving heed to seducing spirits because we enjoy that too much. Right at three years ago, a man told me I, I was trying to help him. I was, no, four years ago, I was at Varnado. 
And he had just started out there and, and we were talking about church and, and things of that nature. And he had just started going to a church, a church close to here, really, really close to here. A good church. Most of you probably know every single person that goes to that church. And the man said, he was a recovering alcoholic. And he said, you know, I'd, I'd given up alcohol completely. Didn't have a problem with it. Didn't want it, didn't desire it. He said, but now I only drink when I'm around the preacher. I'm serious. He said, the preacher's teaching me to control it. Seducing spirits come in all shapes, forms, and fashions. It's easy to allow that and... and it's easy to allow sleepiness, tiredness to keep us home. It's easy to allow grudges and, and spitefulness to keep us home. It's easy to let our anger with God and the things that we are going for in our life keep us out of his word. You know why it's so easy? Because everything in this world, short of the Holy Spirit itself, is fighting against us. Every power, every spirit, Satan himself fights against us to try to keep us out of the Bible, to try to keep folks out of church. And he's doing a bang up job because so many people are, are, are done. They're finished. There's less people on the mission field today than there ever has been. There are more churches in America than there ever has been. There are more professions of faith. And I say that with quotes because... There's more people that proclaim that they're Christian today than ever has been. But there's more corruptness and violence and hatred and contradictory, uh, contradicting things to the Word of God. There's more of that in the world today than ever has been. And you cannot have more Christians and more sin at the same time. They don't grow at the same rate. If you begin to get, to get people saved, then, then you all understand how this works. This is a seesaw. It's not one or the other. When people begin to fall away from God, then, then the level of sin goes up. When people begin to get saved and then begin to come back to God and get back in church, the level of sin goes down. It's a seesaw, back and forth, up and down. But in the end time, some shall depart to faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. I want to ask you to try to do something that helped me tremendously. Uh, a pastor, a friend of mine, actually pointed me this direction back February of last year. And he knows, or he knew that I, I loved country music. And he said, have you ever heard Vern Gosden? Yes, I know who Vern Gosden is. Which he was kind of surprised at. He said, you ever heard the song, Let Go of the Stone? I said, yes, I've heard the song. Has anybody else heard the song, Let Go of the Stone? It's an interesting song. It's, it's a country song. But he said, the chorus of the song goes, Let Go of the Stone. It's dragging you down into a sea of heartache if you don't want to drink. Now, And we're not talking about heartache. We're talking about falling away from God. 
And he asked me, he said, you, you think real hard about what you're holding on to. Because he said, some things are worth holding on to. And the things that we are supposed to hold on to is the Word of God, the doctrines of God, the love of the Spirit, and the love between the brethren. Those are the things that we are supposed to hold on to. Those are the things that we are not supposed to let go. Those are the things that we are supposed to fight tooth and nail to keep. He said, ask yourself, is those things that we're holding on to, are they of God or are they not? Because I'll be honest with you, I was holding on to some serious hatred. There's no other word for it. Hatred. Absolute hatred. I was holding on to it tight. Because I was convinced that I was going to act on that hatred too. I was convinced. And he said, ask yourself, is, is these things that you're holding on to, these things that you're struggling with, are they of God or of the world? Whichever answer that you come up with determines what you do with it. He said, if they are of God, if they are doctrine, if you're holding on to faith, if you're holding on to the Word, if you're holding on to God's work, then you hold on to it tight and you reach out and you grab it with both hands. But he said, if, the, if what you're holding on to is not of God, he said, the only thing that it can be doing for you is harm. That's it. The only thing. And then he gave me an illustration like all good pastors do. He said, you have a firecracker in your hand. I've had a lot of them blow up in my hand over the years, them little black cats. Because we would buy the string of them that long, and then we'd take them apart. That way we could you know, throw them at each other. Anyway, we were tough kids. He said, you have a firecracker in your hand. And he said, that fuse is lit and that fuse is burning. And he said, the longer you hold on to it, the more likely you are that it explodes in your hand and hurts something. Hurts somebody, destroys something. That can happen fast. He said, let it go. Because whenever it blows up on the ground, all it did was make dust. He said, you walk away and you forget about it. And you never think about that firecracker again. It's gone, it's done, it's finished, and you still have all five fingers. That made a lot of sense to me. It's a whole lot easier to say trust God than it is to trust God. I mean, a lot easier to say let it go than it is to let it go. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. If they are of God, if what you're holding on to is of God, then hold on to it. But if what you're holding on to is not of God, he said, try the spirits, whether they of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Hereby you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth. Confess Jesus Christ is coming to flesh, is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not Jesus Christ is not of God. Is the thing you're holding on to of God? If they are, grab a hold to it with everything. Brady's getting to the point now that he grabs a hold to things with his teeth. When he starts standing up, he did that this morning. Emily was in Sunday school, and he was sitting there with me hanging out. And Brother Dean was teaching, and I was listening very careful, but I just happened to glance down, just for one second, glance down. And he was trying to stand up in that church pew, and he had his mouth wrapped around in front of that thing. And he was trying his best to get his feet under him to stand up. And at that point, that chair was his. He had it with both hands and his mouth. He wasn't letting go of it at all. <clears throat> Why don't we grab out the things with our mouth? Grab a hold to it and don't let it go. 
If it is of God, hold on to it tight. But if it is not of God, if it is not of God, let it go. It's not worth holding on to. A friend of mine, he's, he's missing his right hand up to his elbow. They took it off last week. He had a firecracker blew up in his hand. At first, he lost three fingers immediately. They made it to the hospital. He had two fingers left. All of this was burned up. They, they rushed him to Jackson. And this past week, they took off his, his arm at his elbow. They left him a, a little bit right there. It blew up in his hand. He said, I knew it was coming. I just didn't drop it fast enough. It's one of them big artillery shells. He said, I knew it was coming. I just didn't drop it fast enough. And, and whenever things blow up in our life, whenever things begin to drag us down, whenever the, the, these sins and these grudges and this, this hatred and, and this spitefulness and, and these, whenever these spirits that we're holding on to because they have seduced us, because they have convinced us that they are good, because they have convinced us that, that we can't get rid of them, that we can't... Whenever they blow up, it's going to be bad. Whenever they begin to interfere in our life, it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. And these spirits can control our life if we'll let them. And I had an... It wasn't an argument. It was an intelligent conversation. But it almost turned into an argument two weeks ago with a guy that was trying to convince me that the Bible was okay with you drinking as long as you didn't drink and drive. You know, because they had F-150s back in Moses' day. <laughs> he, he was a strange character. Anyways, we were talking about what the, what the Bible says about drinking. And, and I told him, I, I said, uh, he said, well, the only thing it says is, is to be sober. I said, no, well, let, let's go to Proverbs. There's a lot of big Proverbs about not drinking. But whenever the Bible talks about being sober... Being sober is being in control of your thoughts to the best of your ability, being in control of your functioning, being aware. And anything that takes us away from that, whether it's drugs or drinking or anxiety or depression or worry or stress, all of that, all of those are seducing spirits. All of those are, and we call them emotions. They're not. They're not of God. And I used to say there's no such thing as depression. You're either, you know, you have a problem you can fix, so go fix it. Or you have a problem that you can't fix, so give it to God. So there's no reason to be upset. And I have since come to withdraw that. There are things in our life that can get us down. There are things in our life that can discourage us. There are things in our life that can mess with our head. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. But there's nothing that can mess with God. Nothing. Nothing. Let it go. Move on. I wanted so bad to do it, and they, they wouldn't let me preach. Uh, I wanted to preach one more chapel whenever I was at Ben's Ford. They let me do one, and I showed the kids a, a magic trick about uh, controlling things with your mind. Anyway, it was really good. I had to do it with y'all one day. But I wanted to, to do one with the, the parachute. Have y'all ever seen an athlete run with a parachute behind him? We used to do it in strength and conditioning uh, for, for baseball. Anyway, you strap this parachute to your back and, and you take off running. And as you take off running, this parachute, you know, swells up and, and it slows you down. I used to be a fast runner until I put that parachute on. And then, oh, no, I never was a fast runner. But 
put the parachute on and it slows you down and, and, and it holds you down. And, and I wanted so bad to, to do that as far as letting go of grudges and letting go of hate and letting go of sin and letting go of the world and fully trusting and depending in God for salvation is kind of where I was going to try to go with that. But it, it goes right along with the thought tonight. And, and as long as we are allowing these things to hold us down, as long as we're allowing these things to hold us back, at some point we have to shut the, the parachute and say, hey, I'm done. I'm finished. And the trick is you cannot do that on your own. We are not able to shake. We are not able to beat the spirits that are of Satan because he is much more powerful than we are. But God is much more powerful than he is. And in the name of Jesus, we can rebuke him. In the name of Jesus, we can cast him out. And with the help of God, with the help of God, we can let it go. We have to be willing, we have to be able, and we have to be committed. In order to do that, we have to focus on Him. I had no idea, no idea what I was going to preach tonight. Absolutely none. I'd been studying a couple of different passages this week. And as I got ready for church, God hadn't put anything on my heart. And as I was sitting up here reading, I got to thinking about that song, and I have no idea what song y'all sang. Because going through my head was, was the song, The Eye of the Storm. It's in our red book. It's a beautiful song. And though the world swirls around us, and though the, the, everything is absolutely crazy, the song says, I find shelter in the eye of the storm. That is the only place that things are okay. That is the only place that things are safe. And our eye of the storm is Jesus Christ. Our eye of the storm is God. And I hope and pray that we can find shelter, that we can find rest, that we can find peace, and that we can always rest in Him. And if whatever you're holding on to is not of God, let it go. If it is of God, fight tooth and nail to hold on to it. But we have a verse for song. We're going to ask for a verse of invitation.